that everything that we're all aware of in this country about what you should not be doing uh, with regard to sexual harassment, particularly if you're an elected official, the fact that that has eluded him. The FBI opens a new espionage case against the Chinese Communist government every 10 hours. Every so, 10 hours. There's going to be a little unveiling on, on Sunday, and uh, that street sign will stay there until another kid gets a series that's bigger than Full House. <laughs> You're listening to Pod Suey, the week's top stories served a la carte. Subscribe at thegreatvoice.com or wherever you get your podcasts. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed and assaulted 11 women, according to an investigation by the state's attorney general. Calls for Governor Cuomo to step down have come from both sides of the aisle, including President Biden and members of his own state legislature, heading to a possible, if not probable, impeachment. Employment and civil rights attorney Deborah Gordon gives some insight to Kevin Dietz. My reaction is it was uh, just exactly the way he always has been about this. Um, he's a particular personality type, as we've all come to know. You know, he's kind of the alpha male. He's been denying this all along. People misinterpreted what he did. He didn't do it. It, it was more of the same, uh, kind of hunkered down. So, no, I was not surprised. Uh, that's the way yeah, he's, he's going to handle it, and I doubt he's going to resign. He sort of said, uh, uh, you know, I kiss everyone. I kiss women. I kiss men. Right. I, I'm an affectionate person. I, I kiss everyone. This, this is just politics. Is, is there anything politics about what we've seen in this report so far? Um, I don't think there's anything politics about it. If anything, it's the Democrats that are calling for the investigation and for him to be removed. So it's not politics. Uh, with regard to this, I'm kissing everybody. It does appear from at least that photo montage he put up. He kisses a lot of people. But the fact that he is who he is at this age in life, I think he's about 63, that everything that we're all aware of in this country about what you should not be doing uh, with regard to sexual harassment, particularly if you're an elected official, the fact that that has eluded him all this time uh, says a lot to me about his ability to grasp, you know, what his role and responsibility should be. I thought by now everybody had gotten a memo, certainly a Democratic governor of a big state like New York, who's called for other people uh, to step down or for investigations. He obviously should have known better. He did not. Yeah, the the report said that he broke state and federal laws. Could he be charged criminally? Should he be charged criminally? Will he be sued civilly? I guess, you know, there's already uh, uh, filings or accusations. Okay, so let me explain from a legal point of view, because the legal point of view is different than what's going on politically. There's two kinds of sexual harassment that are illegal civilly. One is called quid pro quo. That's when your boss says... Um, have sex with me or else. Have sex with me and you'll get a raise. Don't, if you don't have sex with me, you're fired. Um, you're requesting something from the person in her capacity as an employee. That's very straightforward. That has not happened here. Uh, that's not been alleged. The other kind that's much more prevalent is called hostile environment. That is illegal civilly. I can sue an employer on an employee's behalf if her environment has become so hostile uh, that it's uh, not a place that she can feel comfortable working. So what does that mean legally? It means that the harassment must, must be, these are the two words, severe or pervasive. So what this excludes from the workplace, and I think people forget about this that want to you know, talk about these cases, 
is your, you know, one-off dirty joke or off-color joke is not enough for a sexual harassment case. Um, one or two comments to somebody are probably not enough. Um, it has to be either severe, which is a very, you know, a significant thing that happens. In Michigan, there's a case where a woman was sexually assaulted, and the court said, of course, that's severe. Uh, or it has to be pervasive, day in, day out, day in, day out. I can't tell from this report for any individual woman whether it was severe or pervasive. Some of the comments don't, in this report don't amount to sexual harassment. One woman complained that she was called sponge, something about she was there to suck up information like a sponge. Okay, that's not sexual harassment. So this um, report was, I mean, in classic fashion these days, it included every permutation of bad conduct by an elected official. Some of it is sexual harassment in nature, and some of it is not. So you would have, for each woman, you would have to parse through, what did he do, and did that cause a hostile environment? That, that's what the analysis would be. But, of course, we're not talking right now about individual civil cases. Maybe that will happen in the future. Let's talk about criminal. You know, a criminal, you have to have a touching. There's just no question about that. Uh, words alone, no, that's not a crime. So if he assaulted somebody, sure. Would a prosecutor bring the case? I don't know. But those are tough cases to get prosecutors to bring. Wayne State University joined Michigan State and the University of Michigan in requiring all staff and students be vaccinated against COVID-19 before the start of the fall semester. A federal judge in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals upheld Indiana University's vaccine mandate as constitutional after it faced legal challenges earlier this week. Now, here in Michigan, vaccine mandates are facing their own detractors. One of the most vocal is Michigan Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky. He was able to debate Michigan State University President Dr. Samuel Stanley on The Guy Gordon Show. Well, kind of through the magic of radio. Dr. Samuel Stanley was on with Paul W. Smith today uh, talking about the justification for this. Uh, we also had Senator Mike Shirky, the Senate Majority Leader, uh, on with Kevin Dietz. And we're going to give them uh, not really a point-counterpoint, but uh, we're going to allow them to have a little bit of a discussion about that virtually here uh, by putting together some comments they made. Let's start with Dr. Stanley, who talked about the fact that really this this whole idea of a vaccination mandate, and by the way, neither Wayne State nor any of these other uh, universities have yet said what the consequences will be. They say that there will be unspecified consequences if you don't get a vaccine. Here's what Dr. Stanley had to say uh, to Paul W. Smith about the managing of risk and trying to make a safer workplace and place of learning for students at MSU. Cut 11. Um, it's hard for me to see this, not as any political issue, but as anything other than a public health issue. And so to keep our campus safe, um, to help keep us our surrounding community safe, um, I think I felt this, and clearly Mark Schlissel, confronted with some of the same data on Delta, um, felt the same. And so I think that's where we find ourselves where we are. At the same time, uh, Senator Mike Shirky says, y you know, I, I just have some questions for the university because I'm unclear exactly what the science is and what the goal is. Cut 10. I have a bunch of questions for the universities. What is their goal? Is their goal is zero risk, which is a question mark. If they added up the number of people who have already been vaccinated plus those who have survived, I think by any medical standard, we're already at herd immunity. And so why go to the next step unless we're trying to achieve zero risk, which is an impossibility? Uh, second question I have is, 
you know, uh, why aren't they giving those who have recovered any uh, consideration? Because I think it's also been proven with data and science that there's no additional benefit for vaccine uh, for those who have survived. And in fact, in some cases, it's actually detrimental. Dr. Stanley says, you know, we rolled this out, and so far uh, we understand that they're outside the campus community, that there are concerns like those voiced by Senator Shirky, but on campus uh, the response has been quite positive. Cut 12. So I've heard from a number of individuals um, uh, really on campus. I think the reaction has been very, very positive overall. Um, You may have seen in earlier news that my faculty senate had passed a resolution uh, asking that the campus actually mandate faculty and staff and students to have vaccinated. And our student government organization had passed the same thing, asking again that students have mandated vaccination. So on campus, I think it's generally being well received. I certainly have received some emails from people outside who have concerns, parents who have concerns, a lot of questions about exemptions uh, and so on, Uh, and then some pushback certainly from people who feel this is overreach um, by the school and are unhappy about it. And then there's Senator Mike Shirky, who would be one of those that believes this could be uh, an an opportunity or evidence of overreach. Cut seven. I'm starting to question just about any decision that comes out of the CDC since they it just seems like over the course of the last 18 months, they've they've changed your mind, their minds more often than not. And uh, I, I'm wondering now just how far we go uh, without starting to question back the sources of their decision. I know for a fact that uh, people have asked the CDC for the data to support this most recent decision. And as of yet, and I stay in close contact with somebody that's in a position to be able to make that request, as of yet, the CDC has not been able to preside, provide any reference to scientific data supporting this most recent decision. And Dr. Stanley says at least temporarily there will be a mask mandate on the campus of Michigan State University. This is true at Wayne State and others as well. Uh, here's why. Cut 14. Um, we're now at a stage in Michigan where in some counties we're actually at the case level where CDC is recommending resumption of indoor masking. And so I think we're just a little ahead of the curve on that. We do plan to do it for the first weeks of campus because we will have some students who may not have been able to get fully vaccinated given the timing of the mandate. So we want to make sure that people are protected during that time. So we'll be mandating vaccines indoors um, for all students, faculty, and staff during that time. Um, And then we'll see how things are going, basically. We'll see what's happening in the surrounding community, um, what CDC is recommending then we'll make a different uh, decision about what to do about that we, we may lift it if those numbers look better as the tokyo olympics come to a close the world and international olympic committee look ahead to the 2022 winter games in beijing many health officials were calling for the tokyo olympiad to be canceled altogether after being postponed a year due to a coronavirus surge in japan heading into the games now if you thought the controversy surrounding the olympics were over you'd be mistaken Some current and former high-ranking government officials are now calling for the 2022 Winter Games to be pulled out of Beijing. Senior News Analyst Chris Renwick on Paul W. Smith. Back in 2020, former National Intelligence Director John Ratcliffe called China, as you mentioned, national security threat number one and the greatest threat to democracy and freedom worldwide since World War II. Now Ratcliffe says that the 2022 Winter Olympic Games needs to be yanked from Beijing. Former President Donald Trump's final NI director says 
the U.S. should be pushing to move the games out of the Chinese capital. He wrote that in a Fox News op-ed and said also, quote, that the Chinese Communist Party leadership coordinated and continues to perpetrate a massive cover-up of the virus's origins and the circumstances surrounding its initial outbreak. And the 2022 games should be moved out of China. He says the International Olympic Committee should not allow Beijing to enjoy the benefits of hosting a massive global event while rejecting transparency and refusing to allow inquiries into, much less answering for, the deaths of millions of people around the world. FBI Director Christopher Wray agrees with Ratcliffe and says China is our greatest economic, political, and military threat. Former U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, Matthew Schneider, tells me this can essentially be looked at as espionage. It's Chinese government officials spying on Americans. Do we now want to send thousands of American athletes and trainers and people into China where they will stay in hotel rooms that are really not secure because they were they will be monitored by the Chinese communist government? Snyder says that the FBI opens a new espionage case against the Chinese communist government every 10 hours. So you got to say that, that again. I want to listen. I love Matthew Schneider, and when Matthew Schmider, Schmider, when Matthew Schneider speaks, I listen, and we all should. You broke up a little. Say it again. He says the FBI. He says that the FBI opens a new espionage case against the Chinese Communist government every ten hours. Every so, ten hours. Every 10 hours. So he says that Radcliffe raises a good point here. Now, Paul, this comes on the heels of another World Health Organization plan to investigate the origins of the COVID-19 virus and the idea that it could have escaped from the Wuhan Institute for Virology, a plan that China has once again denied. The World Health Organization also uh, was given restricted access during their last fact-finding mission in China to determine where exactly the virus started, which found that it was likely to have originated in the Wuhan wet markets. He also says that with the information that he was privy to back at the time when he was in Washington, D.C., the lab leak theory is less of a possibility and more of a probability. Now, Radcliffe also says that the games should go on. He says that the athletes who've been preparing for the games should not be punished. Now, the 2022 <sighs> Winter Games from Beijing started uh, slated to start on February 4th, Paul. Yeah, and, and, and it always comes down to who is being punished, and this is a tough one, a tough nail uh, to bite. But we'll see. We'll follow it. And we didn't even talk about the intellectual property theft, the theft of intellectual property by the Chinese government. Huge issue. The list goes on and on and on. Chris Renwick, yeah. thanks much. Dave Coulier of Full House fame is receiving a high honor from his hometown of St. Clair Shores. Oh, come on, cut it out. The city will be renaming the street he grew up on to Dave Coulier Way. Dave joined Mitch Album and his band of amateur comedians to reflect on his humble beginnings. I grew up on that street. My dad is 90 years old, still lives there in the house that I was born in. Aww. And, uh, cool. I, you know, I used to ride my bike up and down that street just dreaming of someday doing something with my life. And I <laughs> thought, you know, when they asked me to, to name the street, I, I thought, well, maybe I can inspire one kid riding up and down the street on their bike to to dream and to do something thinking that well i thought you were going to say to pick another street (laughs) 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 inspire some kid to say hey get off dave coulier way he already named this one (laughs) 
I'm going to go over to well, Main Street. <laughs> if I can, you know, if I can inspire another kid thinking, hey, if he can do it from that humble little street, maybe I could do something too. Mm-hmm. What kind of street is Lang Street? Is it houses or it's houses? It. Yeah, it's pretty close to the lake. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, the four of us kids, my brothers and sisters, my mom would actually give us towels and a bar of soap and say, go jump in the lake. And we did. <laughs> we would walk down to the lake and go and uh, take a bath down there and you know I, I've never forgot about Detroit or St. Clair Shores my hometown and I, I really should write a book called Full Circle because that's what I feel like I did you know yeah um, well aren't you back there back now there. is that is that where your house the house that you uh, are building or buying isn't it somewhere I'm near actually there? sitting on our property on Lake St. Clair out here um uh, Let's see. We'd be in uh, well, New Baltimore, Chesterfield Township area. Right. But mm. um, I love the water. I love the lake. Uh, you know, I love fishing. I love uh, you know just boating in general, and and I love being back home. Mm. So um, I'm really honored and humbled. Did you did pick they- way, or like did you have your choice like Dave Coulier Avenue or Rue? Dave Coulier yeah. Court? Yeah, Rue. Well, I mean, Rue. You should have gone with Rue. Because you kind of have a French last name. Yeah. Rue, Rue Dave Coulier. Rue, Rue. Yeah, you had all those choices. Rue de Coulier. <laughs> I'm just glad they didn't pick Dave Coulier. No way. <laughs> Is there anybody on Lang Street, Dave, you don't care for? It's your street. You can give him a boot. <laughs> I know well, that street. It runs right into the one named for George Jefferson, right down by the lake, right? Isn't that? Yeah, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> it's right next to Good Times Ash. <laughs> hey, Dave, it's uh, Rosie. Congratulations on this honor. Did you have, going back to your house, did you have an issue with indoor plumbing growing up that you had to go to the lake to bathe? Uh, you know, we, my whole family has a history of bad plumbing. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, people say go jump in the lake, and I said, you know, when I was a kid, I really did. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm just thrilled, and, and uh, you know, I, I couldn't be happier about this. At first, I thought, they've got to be kidding, right? And then they said, no, we're serious. We really want to do this. So I'm, I'm thrilled to death, and... And uh, like I said, I'm I'm just really honored to to do this for the city. Well, David, is there some kind of a ceremony like a, that's going to take place? There's going to be a little unveiling on on Sunday, and uh, that street sign will stay there until another kid gets a series that's bigger than Full House. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for Pod Sui this week. For full interviews or anything else you might have missed, go to thegreatvoice.com. See you next time.